welcome back to a brand new episode of Bad History. Bad History. Mm-mm-mm. My name is Steven, and I am joined, as always, by my beautiful colleague, Dave. What's going on, What's going Dave? On? <laughs> What's going on, Steven? I stole it from you, man. I like I liked your little mm-mm-mm. Yeah, you like that? <laughs> Mm, that bad history mm, 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 it's tasty mm, mm. so good you can just savor it in your mouth um we are back uh for for a brand new history for a brand new history we're back for a brand new episode of bad history and this week we are talking all about diseases and epidemics and plagues Ugh. yeah it's gross man grossing me out a little bit get some hand sanitizer and and Put that shit on yeah. liberally. Liberally, just just coat your body in hand sanitizer. Um, what it? I have a question for you, Dave. Let's hear it. Would it still be hand sanitizer if you don't put it on your hands? You have presented me with an existential crisis. Yeah, because I don't put hand sanitizer on my hands. I put it on my elbows mm. because I don't know if you do this, and I'm not being. I'm not joking. I cough into my elbows. I cough okay. into my, like, inside of my elbows. Right. So I guess, like, I kind of rub it in with my hands. But, like, one place that I usually apply hand sanitizer is, like, my elbow. Okay. Okay. you know, that's, that's the right way to cough and sneeze. Right. But it doesn't make it any less strange. Is it predominantly elbow sanitizer? That, well, that's the thing, right? It's a, is it hand sanitizer if you don't use it on your hands? I mean, I guess you're... There's no way for you to spread it across your body if you're not using your hands. I just want to but. point out that I do it when I'm like wearing short sleeve shirts. I don't want somebody just like imagining me in like <laughs> a long sleeve like wool jacket just rubbing like sanitizer. Why are the, the inside of your elbows so wet? Because I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, um this week we're Speaking talking of <laughs> hand sanitizer. Let me cut you, let me cut you off there, right. Steve. Okay, please. Please do. Speaking of hand sanitizer, um, you may have noticed the last two podcasts or so that I have been sort of unenergetic, mm-hmm. uncharismatic, yeah, a bit moany, groany, and coffee sneezy, yeah. But now the sun has risen, and you're the other dwarves. The ice is melted, <laughs> and I am dopey, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I'm feeling better now. I have this problem when when I get a little sick, I get sick forever. Yeah. For weeks. True. And I just get a lingering cough and a lingering lung butter and mucus and all kinds of gross things. But now, now, now it's all good. Well, dude, I'm glad to hear that you're feeling better. And it and it's it's because of the good old good elbow sanitizer. The old elbow sanitizer. <laughs> Grandpappy's old. Old elbow sanitizer. It cures everything. It's a cure-all. But aside from that, do you want to know how my week went? Yeah, dude, I do. I do need to know how your week has been. <laughs> uh, my week was boring. Nothing happened. I got up. I cooked. I went to bed. That it all week. I don't know. Did anything interesting happen this week? I went to a forest. That was pretty cool. That sounds pretty cool. So there's this huge park called Brown County, about 30 minutes away from where I live, and we went on a little hike uh, and got the fresh air and saw the bears. It was great. Saw bears? Yeah, there was this, like, weird, uh, like, hairy guy convention there, and, uh, you know, I just decided to join in. Okay. They kind of accepted me as one of their own. Sure. Yeah, that's all that happened this weekend. But, Steven. Yeah. Hopefully, you are more interesting, and I want to know. Did you see any good movies this week? Did you read any good books? And uh, did you play any good video games? Um, Sort of. I <laughs> I went to Asheville this weekend. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I know that's not what you're asking me, but it's what I'm going to tell you about. Um, I went to Asheville this weekend to visit a buddy of mine who lives up there. And I hung out with him, and um, I got to meet his girlfriend, and we all kind of hung out the whole weekend. It was awesome. It was a really, really good time. Uh, like the first thing I did when I got there, I got there Friday night uh, around like nine o'clock. And like the first thing I did was we went to this really awesome bar that has like 50 different beers on tap. And like you pour your own beer 
and oh, nice. yeah and so they give you like a wristband with all like they put your your info into it and they give you a wristband and you hold it up to like the tap and you pour and it measures how much you pour and charges you based on that and it's really really cool really good beer and i got this awesome sandwich it was a pork belly banh mi and they like covered it in french fries and it was Can amazing I just say that's like the most Asheville shit yeah. i've ever heard oh, in my life oh for sure yeah it was incredible <laughs> um i ate really well this weekend uh i went to this place called biscuit head on sunday which which is like probably i had one of the best meals of my life it was uh they're known for doing like really really good biscuits and they make their own like jams and like like butter and stuff well, i don't know if butter but like jams and spreads and stuff and I had this biscuit, and it was a, a pulled pork biscuit with pimento cheese and a poached egg and uh, oh bacon on top. God. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, and then then drizzled with maple syrup. Oh, you're making me hungry. Yeah, dude, it was awesome. And I put some of this like blueberry, they, like this blueberry jalapeno sauce on top oh of it. God. It was incredible. It was one of the best meals I've ever had. Um, but I, I went to a bunch of breweries this weekend, which Asheville's kind of known for. They've got like a few dozen breweries, probably. I don't know if it's that many, but like a lot of breweries though. I'm up there, so we brewery hopped Why Saturday is night. Asheville, such a hipster's paradise. I don't know, man. It's a nice little. It's, it's a nice little corner uh, of of hipsterville nestled away in the mountains. App State. App State's there, right? Nah, dude. App State's up in uh in Boone. They're close though. Real? Yeah, they're close. Oh, they're, they're close to Asheville though. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I, I upstate's in Boone. Um but uh but it was really, really cool. I had a really awesome time and it was a crazy awesome weekend. I was like originally supposed to come back on Saturday night, but because my buddy and his girlfriend were doing like Valentine's Day Saturday night because they didn't get to do it the weekend before and then like my buddy's girlfriend was like, Hey, why aren't you just staying for the whole weekend? And I was like, Oh, I didn't know that was cool and so <laughs> I stayed the whole weekend and it was really awesome and nice. I just really I really had a good time. But I'm also, in terms of the video games thing, like you asked me, I started playing Red Dead Redemption again. Oh, my God. Yeah, because I like I, I was thinking about this thing. So briefly, I'll say this. Dave and I, for we, we drove to Virginia one summer to see my to visit my aunt. And oh, we no. on the way on the way back, we, on the way back, we were talking about what move what video game would make the best movie. And we talked about Red Dead Redemption, and then we started plotting out how the movie would go. And I was thinking about that on the drive back from from uh, from Asheville, and I was like, I really want to play through Red Dead Redemption again. So that's what I've been doing. It's real good. It's real good. You gotta play that. You gotta play that undead nightmares yeah. version too. It's so good. Yeah. It's so funny. You you found like our scribbles of what the opening of that movie would be. And yes. you sent me a picture of it like not too long ago. And yeah. It, it's weird because I haven't thought about it in like three years, but that is the opening. That is the that opening. is the opening to Mad Max. Yeah, it, it is. We, it's we shot for shot the opening of Mad Max. It was it's like it's very very similar. It's crazy. Uh, I've got yeah. I found a journal with like a, of mine that had like a bunch of really old stuff in it from like that time time period and like it was it was crazy like really really crazy maybe we'll post the pictures of that of that on the facebook page but anyway that's enough of me rambling on we should get the history i don't know about you but i think we should get to the history yeah i think you should play the music uh should we play the music or should we explain what's going on before we play the music i think we already did didn't we are we doing should we should we say no should we say what diseases are off limits Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah. this week we decided to study uh, diseases or like epidemics or plagues, but the rule was that you couldn't take the easy man's out and pick the Black Death, so you know the the Black Plague, or the Spanish influenza mm. and th- the Spanish flu. And um, so keeping that in mind, I went a very different route, and Stephen cheated and went a very lame route. Yeah, but. But we will see when we get there. So hit the hit the music. Yeah, button. let's play the music. All right, Stephen. What's up? So the uh, disease epidemic that I chose to cover is the smallpox 
uh, outbreak in the Americas during uh, early colonialism in like the 16th and 17th and 18th century. Good choice. So um, this is like a really interesting thing because I'm actually going to be addressing some bad history in this episode of bad history. And we don't normally get to do that, so that's exciting. Yeah, we don't usually ever do that. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to um, start off with a little background. So a lot of you are familiar with smallpox. Um, it's a disease that's basically from Eurasia. That's its origin. And it's caused by this virus called the Vriola virus. Okay? It's got a 12-day incubation period. Um it's inhaled, and after it's inhaled, it migrates to the lymph nodes where it multiplies, moves around the bloodstream, and it attaches to cells. Um, and it prefers like tissue cells. So the symptoms of smallpox, uh, there are two stages pretty much. The early stages are very similar to the flu, and this is dangerous because it causes a lot of misdiagnosis. Um, in the first few days, you'll get really heavy fever. You'll get uh, digestion issues to be PC about it. Um, you're going to shit and throw up a lot. You poop you're going to get muscle pain. You're going to be tired. You're going to be fatigued. And this will go on for about 12 days. And then after 12 days, you will begin to get the lesions that are characteristic of smallpox they'll begin as small red spots in the mouth and throat where they will rupture and release more virus into the saliva and then you will begin to develop macules which are the rash-like pimples on the skin that begin on the head and then will eventually cover the whole body Uh, and they take on several different forms and types uh, based on the specific virus There are four main types of smallpox. I'm not going to go that deep into it, but the prognosis isn't good. Uh, Smallpox has about a 30% fatality rate over the history of men, the humanity, right? Um, But certain types of smallpox, the kind known as hemorrhagic, where the macules will just actively bleed, is usually fatal about 95% of the time. Damn, that's not good. Um, And smallpox has been around forever, since 10,000 BCE is when we first begin to see evidence of the disease. Uh, During the 20th century alone, so modern history, smallpox killed about 300 million people around the world. That's crazy. And yeah, that it that's very recently. Smallpox is on the eradicated virus list, which means that it only exists uh, modernly in sort of study states and dead virus states. Right. Uh, it's not like a rampant disease anymore. But during its time as a virus, uh, it killed the likes of Peter II of Russia in okay. 1730. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Louis the Fifteenth of France in 1774, uh, and also Edward the Sixth of England in 1547, and that was Henry the Eighth's son, the one who he had put all of his inheritance yeah. into. Uh, the one who would know, be king. The one who would be king, but didn't. Yeah. But you know who it didn't kill? Who? George Motherfucking Washington. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a nice healthy dose of, of freedom. Not only did it not kill George Washington, it also didn't kill Andrew goddamn Jackson. Oh, man. And Abraham, son of a gun, Lincoln. You know what? You, need, you know what I think the cure is, Dave? A good old dose of America. <laughs> good old dose of American freedom. Uh, uh, a good old dose me. of tears of the British. <laughs> I, I just thought it was funny that there are all these, like, European yeah. monarchs and people who are just, like, killed. But not not us, goddammit. Not America. Not America. <laughs> um, and as smallpox uh, came to the quote-unquote new world during colonialization, 
um, it just fucking destroyed everything, right? So yeah. the native populations of the Americas were virtually wiped out because of smallpox and, and, and other dr- or diseases, but mostly smallpox. Um, smallpox has been attributed to approximately 20 million native deaths, um, which is about 90% of the native population loss. Wow. That's crazy. Uh, and it, it was essentially the most effective weapon that the Europeans brought. Right. And um, they, they honestly weren't even aware that they had brought it. Right. So a little more information on smallpox in the Americas. So uh, after Columbus, who is famously known as an asshole by Stephen Kuklick. If you haven't checked out that episode, check it out. I did I did His, make some bold claims about Christopher Columbus in an episode. We call that history's assholes? What episode is that? I don't no, know. We go called check it it out. was historical misconceptions. Oh, historical misconceptions. Yeah. There you go. Um so the Europeans started coming over to the Americas really heavily in the sixteenth century as explorers and uh, you know, people looking for gold, pretty much. Uh, many of them brought the diseases with them in some form, but seeing as the, as smallpox, as I mentioned, was a Eurasian uh, virus, a lot of them had immunity through generations of built-up resistance. However, the Native Americans didn't have any immunity or resistance built up, so the fatality rates were much higher. Um, and due to the unfamiliarity with the disease and its long gestation period, uh, the quarantining of natives was really rare. And the problem with this is it would lead to larger epidemics because the natives weren't aware that they were dealing with smallpox. You know, like I said earlier, it's very symptomatic of the flu early on. Um, Smallpox killed and really just wrecked entire populations of native Americans in 1639, for example, an epidemic of smallpox hit the Great Lakes regions, uh, wow. and the Huron tribe, uh, who got the disease through trade, um, lost half of its population, like completely gone in like wow. a matter of weeks. Yeah. Oh my God, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and, and during the mid 1800s, there were at least four major epidemics. That affected the Great Plains tribes uh, specifically. Mm-hmm. And it, it became something to fear. And the Lakota people actually called it running face sickness because of the pustules and the bleeding and the sweating and just like the gross nature of smallpox. Um, during the Spanish invasion of Central and South America, um, famously, uh, the smallpox disease entered the huge Aztec city of Tenochtitlan Mm -hmm. in Mexico, right? right? Yeah. This is, at the time, as described by the conquistadors, possibly the largest city in the world, larger than anything in Europe. Um, The ruler, actually... What's up? Do we know how big? Like, like how how big are we talking? Okay, so Tenochtitlan is a city that's uh, completely on water, right? Mm -hmm. It's built on water. And it is the basis of Mexico City today, which is the largest city on the planet currently. And there's, they claim that the city, when the conquistadors got there uh, in the 1500s, had uh, a population of over a million people. Oh, my God. And that, that was just, like, not ever viewed in cities across the world not even in rome or london or anything like that this city was apparently the greatest thing that they'd ever seen yeah it's um, insane and and sadly though uh Quitlouac, i'm sorry if i uh mispronounced that the ruler of tenochtitlan actually died of smallpox in oh, 1520 no. oh. and and as the uh the spanish kept moving so did smallpox and even the incan emperor huayana capac uh, succumbed to smallpox and died in 1527 against it mm-hmm. so wow that's crazy um this is this is something i want to address um that is sort of pseudo history that's been really adopted and accepted and taught as actual history mm-hmm. um and it's smallpox as a weapon 
against the Native Americans, right? So the history story that a lot of us are taught is that the Europeans came to America and handed out blankets with smallpox knowingly um, to a bunch of Native American tribes in order to get them smallpox and to kill them, right? You've right, heard this yeah, story but, yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard that narrative before. Well, this is fictional, but it's it's based on fact, and it's really sort of an instance of uh, sensationalism in history. Mm-hmm. So smallpox outbreaks during the early European colonization were just as bad for the colonial Europeans. Smallpox was a universal killer, and it still claimed the lives of a lot of Europeans in the United States, it was only more dangerous to natives. Right. And where this narrative really comes from is from this story uh, about the siege of Fort Pitt. Now, it was much later. It was July of 1763. Uh, Fort Pitt it was on where modern-day Pittsburgh is. And this okay. was just at the end of the French and Indian War. So... At the end of the Indian War, or French and Indian War, the members of the Six Nations made an agreement with the French to help them during the war, believing that once the French and British would stop fighting, that the British would leave the native lands. Um, but that didn't happen. So the British, who had expanded into French territories onto Native American territories, stayed after the war and the treaties. Mm-hmm. So the natives... Uh, felt lied to decided to fight back and attack the British forts and this is the start of a conflict that we know as Pontiac's War and Pontiac was this chief several nations adopted the war belt and bloody hatchet under Pontiac against the British so the leaders of Fort Pitt were deep into this territory and they heard on May 27th 1763 that the Delaware tribe had abandoned their homes in fields the night before. They just disappeared. Now, that would make me shit my pants. <laughs> yeah, what happened crazy. was the, the Delaware tribe joined up with the Mingo tribe and had begun attacking farms and villages uh, around the fort during the night. The captain of the fort, Simeon Ekuye, he decided to fortify the area by destroying all nearby shelters and digging large trenches around the fort. During this time of fortification, somebody contracted smallpox in the fort. And uh, the captain decided to build a small hospital and to quarantine the victims of smallpox because he didn't want this wiping out his entire uh, fort. Right, that makes sense. On June 22nd, the fort was attacked by the Shawnee, Delaware, Mingo, and Seneca forces altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because uh, the captain had fortified Fort Pitt so well, they were repelled, and uh, Fort Pitt had 16 cannons constantly loaded in case of attack. Mm-hmm. And this was a really formidable fort. It was built of stone, and it was large, and it had battlements. And the natives sent this uh, this little bro named Turtle Heart. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. He sent, he sent him. They sent him uh, to negotiate because he could speak English really well, right? Mm-hmm. So Turtle Heart just kind of strolls in with his sandals and his feathers and his love, and he's like, "Hey guys, mm-hmm. the Six Nations are they're getting together and they're gonna descend on the fort and they're gonna fuck this fort up." At this time, the fort only had a hundred soldiers stationed at it, mm. um, and the British were like, "Ha, fuck that! We're not leaving, but you should uh, take these blankets and a handkerchief with you as like a sign of goodwill, whatever." Oh, and no. the blankets—they were two small blankets and a handkerchief, and they'd come from the smallpox hospital, right? And uh, this was obviously a biological attack that the captain decided, you know, maybe if they get smallpox, they'll back off. And uh, it ended up being quiet for quite a while. Uh, But during this time, 
all of the forts surrounding Fort Pitt started going down. They just started being overrun. And then Fort Pitt was just completely alone in a sea of angry natives. Yeah. So, again, uh, the natives decided to hold peace talks with the British. They said, look, you're alone. We're going to take over. But the British ignored them. The British were really rude, apparently. Yeah. And uh, the natives began to siege Fort Pitt on July 28th. Uh, they failed to do any damage at all. Wow, that's crazy. And left on August 1st. In the end, only one British casualty was suffered. That's insane. Yeah, this was a really well-pitched fort. Um, but the legacy is interesting. So during and after Pontiac's War, smallpox ran rampant through the territories of the Delaware and the Shawnee. Mm -hmm. Uh, It killed many people, but it cannot be directly related to Fort Pitt, uh, although it has been historically accepted to. So smallpox was everywhere at this time. As I I said, one soldier just randomly contracted smallpox at Fort Pitt. Um, Okay, Dave, how does does he randomly contract smallpox? How how does that happen? Smallpox is like an airborne illness. Okay, gotcha. Uh, can just be like on things right right it's this virus and you can like succumb to it if you're exposed to it but it has like a really long gestation period and you know a lot of times other people are immune to it or have like stronger resistances to it so they're not sure where it it came from it could have come from supplies or something you know what i mean yeah that makes sense and because these two blankets and a handkerchief were given to uh, during those peace delegates, a lot of history has been written saying that that was the direct cause of that yeah. smallpox outbreak. And, like, you can see why you want to make that connection, and that right, is the sure. historically accepted connection. But it's really hard to really rationalize that in your head, considering yeah. that smallpox is so rampant anyway. But... Even if that were the case, this is completely different from this great American myth that there was a grand plot enacted where settlers were just giving out smallpox-infected blankets to Native Americans that just wiped out the entire population. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A lot of this also comes from instances of military leaders having, like, correspondence and opening discussion on this subject, but... Honestly, the context of most of these were just radical, racial, and none of them were put into act. So it would be like a general writing a letter to a lieutenant like, God, I hate the Native Americans. Can't we just give them all smallpox? Can't we just get rid of them? Okay, yeah. Yeah, so like there was no plan or design behind it, right? There was just talk talk about it by a few people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, all of this fed into the, the great myth. Um, but the actions at Fort Pitt were extremely unique, and they didn't result in any sort of mass smallpox epidemic or any further biological warfare. Mm-hmm. It was just sort of a instance that became the poster child for this belief. Uh, so that that's the story of smallpox in America. It, it continued going into the 1800s and 1900s, obviously killing millions of people but right. especially affecting the native american population and uh if you want to learn more on this subject specifically it's written about in super great detail in one of the best um secondary sources yes. for history it's uh jared diamond's gun germs and steel yeah for sure if you're a historian that's like an essential book that's like a that's like a must read yeah yeah it explains why certain cultures can defeat other cultures uh, without taking, you know, this stance that cultures are inherently better than others, and it's because of guns, germs, and steel. Right. And in this case, it was pretty much exactly guns, germs, and steel. Yeah. I mean, it, if we're going to talk about guns, germs, and steel for like half a second, pretty half much a second. half a second, pretty much that book is what, like, I mean, it's 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 really interesting because it's a it's a historically like you know it's a historical book that like 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 a historically written kind of like you know here's my thesis 
and here's the evidence. I'm going to have to back it up. But it's just so well-written and so accessible in a way that it's like kind of moved away from that, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's so compelling that it, it's like a universal textbook of history. You yeah, know, it's, it's very one cool. of the few books that you just kind of are like, this is going to be a history book that will last for hundreds of years, you know? Right, it's exactly. Like almost Herodotus. Like, <laughs> so check out Guns, Germs, and Steel. It's like a super important book. Uh, and check out Stephen's story. Yeah. Coming up right now. Play the music. Let's play the music. Alright, Dave. Yo. So the plague that I am gonna be talking about today takes place a little bit before your plague. Oh yeah. Um, and and by a little bit before I mean it takes place uh near five forty two AD. So just a little bit before, right at the start of the Middle Ages, right at that the, sweet spot. The world wasn't qu- quite quadruple digits yet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was right. Because, you know, the the world began in in 0 AD. Right. Well, sure. I mean, that, that's, the world's that's only 2,000 years old. The world's only 2,000 years old. I mean, I don't know what the, what the Romans were think they were doing. But it wasn't. Yeah, exi- what are you doing, guys? It You're wasn't existing. It wasn't existing. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so the disease I'm going to be talking about today is the Justinian plague, and um, it's a disease that it, it the the outbreak kind of happened in 542 AD. That's kind of like the best time year or year that we have for it. But it kind of remained a thing until 750 AD, like right around there. Um, that's when, you know, it lasted for about a year. It was, it ran rampant and then, but it lasted, there were cases and there's reported cases of it, you know, outbreaking in small towns or, you know, here and there, um, until about 750 AD. Um, but it's, uh, it's called the Justinian plague because it occurred mainly, I mean, it occurred all over, but kind of, you know, the 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 place that it's known for happening in the most is the Byzantine Empire, um, which uh, which the Byzantine Empire is kind of the the offshoot of the Roman Empire. So the Byzantine the Byzantine Empire is the Eastern Roman Empire. So after the Rome got so big that it couldn't be contained into kind of like one empire, it got divided up into a Western and Eastern Roman Empire. And Byzantine is that Eastern Empire. And it didn't Byzantine Empire did not fall until well into the Middle Ages. Um and you know, we we all know that the Middle Ages began when the Roman Empire fell. When and that's the Western Roman Empire, when the Western Roman Empire fell. So Byzantine is the Eastern Roman Empire and its base of operations, its capital is Constantinople. And uh, which is now Istanbul. You know, Istanbul is not Constantinople. Um, been a long time gone. Constantinople when Constantinople get the works, uh, but Constantinople is the the capital city of the Byzantine Empire, and it's huge. It's a really really big city, um, and the Justinian plague kind of ran rampant through it. And the plague is named after the Emperor Justinian. Clever name, right? Um, it's named after the Emperor Justinian, who uh, sat on the throne of the Byzantine Empire. Uh, during this time period, and uh, he's he's kind of an important dude. He's he he had the potential for doing a lot for the Byzantine Empire and for kind of the Roman Empire, but this plague really really kind of threw a wrench into everything. Um, but uh, but before I kind of want to before I go any further with this, I want to kind of clarify something. So this plague is the same bacteria that is found in the bubonic plague. Yeah, explain why you're lame. Explain <laughs> to the people why you're lame. But... Why we said, don't do the Black Death, and then you chose a different instance of the bubonic plague. <laughs> well, let me say, okay, so the Black Death uh, started popping up mainly, like, right around the 1400s, right? 1300s, 1400s, and it lasted for a while. But we, you know, like, the main instances are, like, 1300s, 1400s, and so that's, like, almost a thousand years after this and a disease kind of tends to change a little bit in a thousand years uh it alters and like the way it looks and the way it reacts to things is different so that's kind of why i thought okay this should be acceptable i i think 
I think this is still fair game. That's my well, whole let's thing. Talk, let's talk fair. about diseases that we shouldn't do. Oh, I'll just I'll just do that disease, but earlier, mm, Steven. Dave, why you gotta sip on that haterade, man? <laughs> why you gotta be sitting on, sipping on that haterade? Look, okay. Uh, here's the deal. I did not know a lot about this disease going into this, and the Middle Ages is kind of my wheelhouse. And so I thought, hey, if I didn't really know a lot about the, if I didn't really know a lot about this, then I would assume other people probably didn't know a lot about this. So, when is Stephen ever going to talk about a time period that isn't the Middle Ages? Taking all bets. Come on, never, guys. Never. I'm never going to because it's the best time period in history. Um, so I just wanted to clarify that it's the same bacteria found in the bubonic plague, but it's different. We're the same, but different. Uh, so the symptoms of this disease are um, pretty standard when it comes to this kind of, you know, this kind of disease. It's, uh, it's high fever, uh, delusion. Um, patients were known to fall into a coma. And also... Delusion of, is right. Yeah. Also, there was I'm swelling. You're delusional for patients. Oh, I'm delusional for this? <laughs> I'm standing by it, Dave. You can't bring me down. You cannot bring me down. Uh, so then, of course, there's also the swelling of the armpits and the groin area and the neck. So like where all the uh, like the lymph nodes of the neck and, um, the, and the lymph nodes of the groin. <laughs> yeah, lymph nodes of the groin. But the groin area, the groin, um, the groin, armpits and neck. And so this is also where it kind of differs from the bubonic plague because I didn't find any real records of huge boils appearing. Like that was kind of notorious for the bubonic plague where while the, while the, uh, the armpits and groin and neck would, you'd, you'd get, they'd swell up and like the, the lymph nodes would swell up and um, pretty much anywhere that was kind of like damp and where, like where you would sweat, um, they'd swell up. But also there's these boils would appear and like they'd be, um, what they call them like like bobos or something like that. Um, and they, yeah, yeah, it's it it was, it was gross, gnarly stuff. But I didn't read about any instances of that really happening. Like that wasn't like one something that was you know notorious with the Justinian plague. So that's another reason why I think it's kind of different. Like it's just like I mean, bacteria and disease is constantly changing, and so. Over a thousand years, like the bacteria is going to change and the disease is going to change. But uh, so those are the symptoms. Um, so the plague is believed to have come from China and and parts of India, like the bubonic plague comes from China and parts of India, and it worked its way. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm just going to stop mentioning the bubonic plague. Um, <laughs> and it worked its way, it worked its way over to Africa and eventually over to Egypt. Um, and the way it was able to do this is the massive amounts of trade routes, uh, namely like the Silk Road. Like the Silk Road, I think is the most famous one, right? That goes from China all the way and makes its way back to Europe, but it's also going through um, Africa and Egypt, and that's where pe- that's where you know we we kind of tend to believe that this Justinian plague eventually traveled was through Africa all the way, making its way to northern Africa to Egypt. And um, when it got to Egypt, it was pretty much at Byzant- uh, Byzantium's door, uh, and so its disease spread north to Alexandria and east to Palestine. Um, and the way that it's, this disease spread was through rats and fleas, right? So, like, like um, what, it, what would happen is that the rats would uh, would get this disease, the fleas would bite the rats, and then the fleas would, you know, jump onto humans and bite humans. And that's how the disease was spread. I mean, it, maybe there was an occasionally of a rat biting a human, but it was this, the fact that the, the flea was con- coming in contact with a rat's blood and then also coming into contact with human blood. Um so that's and that the, was something that was really recently discovered, right? Like, yeah, for hundreds of years, everyone just was like, "Oh, it's rats," but right. it turned out that it's like the bacteria on the flea on the rat or something. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, that's what. Like, I think that was the way that it's kind of was always taught up until recently was that it was the rats who spread this disease. But then, you know, it did it. That doesn't really make a lot of sense if you really start to think about it, because it's not like rats were were um rampantly biting people like obviously it happened because rats are assholes but it wasn't like this thing that like happened like on a such a large scale scale basis that it was a problem but rats were always known as you know even you know e- even even ignoring the justinian plague the bomb- bubonic plague and all that rats were very notorious for uh being disease carriers in fact 
towns, if they were overrun by rats, would hire professional rat killers. Um, this was a thing that happened in the Middle Ages. If you heard the story of the Pied Piper, he was a professional rat killer. Um, but I'm not going to go into the Pied Piper. That's something, if you're very interested, you can go. It's, you know, it's a really fascinating story. You can go look it up yourself. But, um, but, the, uh, but, but the, the fleas on the rats were the ones that were transferring these diseases because fleas don't care. They're going to jump on fr- fl- uh, rats and then to humans and vice versa. So, uh, and the way that these rats were getting from point A to point B is they're hitching rides on grain carts because while rats will notoriously eat pretty much anything, their meal of choice is grain that's kind of like what they really really like to eat and so when grain was being transported the rats would just kind of hitch a ride onto them and they'd be able to travel (laughs) from city to city uh and that's how rats got from china all the way to egypt and eventually to byzantium um so they're kind of the first area that really got hit hard was southern italy southern italy got really hit hard because uh during this time period they had an unusually cold summer like a really, really cold summer, as in it was snowing in some places. And uh, so what this did was it really negatively affected the crop production. And so all of a sudden, uh, Italy, and you know this time period, and for a really, really long time, bread is kind of like, that's like a staple of everyone's diet. Like you have to eat bread. It's, it's like where you get a lot of nutrition from. Oh, yeah, and, they're eating, like, shit tons of bread. Oh, exactly, yeah. I mean, that's like the French Revolution was partly started over the lack of bread. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so all of a sudden, their crop production is extremely low. And also, uh, Italy, you know, Italy for a very long time was Rome, right? It was the Roman Empire. It was the base of operations for the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire has only not been a thing for about 100 years at this point. So Italy is in turmoil as well. Italy is in is is in constant war and so because of that you have starving poor people who don't have anywhere you know they don't have good hygiene they're kind of living in turmoil and so this is like the perfect place for a disease to kind of start so southern italy gets hard early gets hit hard early on um and then uh uh this disease would eventually go on to affect a lot of europe's population especially eastern europe and I'll talk about this more in a second, but um, it really it didn't take a lot to for the disease to reach Constantinople, and the reason for this is because Justinian is involved in serious conflict in Europe. Um, you, I mean, you got to remember, and I just mentioned this that the Roman Empire in Europe had just fallen not a hundred years earlier. Uh, it really hasn't been that long, and so uh, the Eastern Roman Empire or Byzantium. Um, it still saw its duty as being to retake the land that it had lost because it still considered itself Rome. Even though we call it Byzantium, it considered itself part of Rome. And so it's just uh, Justinian was set on retaking this land that they had, that he thought they had lost. Um, and he did a really good job at it. Justinian was a pretty good leader. Uh, he was able to take back all of Italy, parts of North Africa and even parts of Spain. So he was able to take back, you know, obviously not, a lot of it or even the majority of it, but he was able to take back kind of the important parts. Um, but yeah, the, the, the this kind of gave the disease a really easy entry point into the Byzantine empire because all of a sudden you're coming in contact with Southern Italy and you know, there's, there's constant movement happening between Europe and Byzantium and Europe and uh, North Africa and Europe and Egypt. Um, so because of that, Rats are just going, you know, they're going all over the place. And these rats that are in rats that have these, this disease in them, this, the Justinian plague in them are now, you know, they, all they have to do is hop aboard a ship that's setting sail for, for Constantinople. And then that's how they get there. And that's, um, that's how we, <laughs> these rats, you said like all these rats have to do is hop aboard a ship. <laughs> <laughs> like, like go into the little rat office. Like <laughs> I need two tickets to Byzantium. I got 50 pounds of luggage here. <laughs> That's kind of like what I like to believe is that these rats are like like borrowers. It's like America's Tale. Yeah, like America's Tale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Constantinople, in short, it got freaking wrecked. It got absolutely <laughs> just like destroyed. And uh, so the numbers that we have here um, from the numbers that we have from a pri- from the, the the main primary source kind of say ten thousand people per day died. Damn. Uh, but kind of more modern numbers are saying it was probably closer to 5,000 per people per day died, but still 
5,000 people per day died from this plague. That's um, a lot of people. And the city itself lost between 20 and 40% of its population. Damn. Almost half of its population was lost. And all the like the rest of Eastern Europe or rest of Europe, like particularly Eastern Europe, lost a quarter of its population, 25 percent of its population. So in total, between 20 and 50 million people died because of this plague. And remember, most of this took place within a year. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's insane. The amount of people that died. And so, I mean, this ravaged the empire. This absolutely decimated the Byzantine Empire um, because because so much of its population died and you know and even then even if you didn't die uh it's still you know a lot of population is sick it can't do anything um and so even justinian himself it contracted the 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 plague justinian himself um uh contracted the justinian plague he didn't die from it but he he you know he got it that's like you know usually you don't hear about the king or the nobles getting the plague because they're able to kind of quarantine themselves. But like Justinian got the plague. Um, and he, I mean, he, he survived, but he lost control of a lot of what he gained. He lost control of half of Italy. And a lot of this ended up leading to the fact that Italy was so fractured for most of its history, right? Like most of its history in the middle ages, Italy is super, super fractured. And even going into like the 30 years war, um, a lot of Northern Italy is just kind of Europe's battleground. Uh, and so Italy's, you know, Italy kind of still was still feeling the, still feels the effects of this up until it gets, uh, united. But, uh, but Justinian lost control of half of, half of Italy and parts of Northern Africa. Um, and he just, he really tried to desperately hold on to this. Like he didn't, he never de- decreased taxes and he even demanded that the neighbors of people who had died, pay the taxes for that neighbor, oh, wow. pay the taxes for people who had died. Yeah. He was ruthless. He, I mean, that was his thing was that he felt like it was his duty to retake the land that Rome had lost. Um, but his empire almost completely collapsed because of this disease. Um, it almost completely collapsed, uh, collapsed economically. And this is really one of the, one of the main reasons why the empire stays stagnant for the rest of its existence. Um, it never was able to really adequately hold on to anything it gains. And, uh, uh, it, it, you know, it really Justinian was the, was Byzantine's best chance for regaining at least Italy at least yeah. like Rome and you know they lost it they they lost it because of this plague and like after this they they sort of you know not that they fade from free, like existence or importance they're still very very important especially in the crusades but they're not they're not the threat that they were when Justinian was emperor so yeah. this this plague i mean it 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 did huge things and um and so yeah that's it and then it, it it you know it after a year the worst of it was done but you still see it popping up randomly until about 750 um so that's that's the justinian plague it's uh it's pretty crazy stuff it's super similar to another plague but we're gonna forget that i guess so <laughs> good shit steven thanks man i appreciate that good story oh so. man before we get on with our lives and yeah. move away from this travesty that was a podcast yeah we're gonna tell you what we're doing next week yeah and dave i believe we thought ahead i think a viewer thought ahead for (laughs) us so what 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 do we got what are we doing next week dave so we we actually have a, a a really good suggestion by a viewer so uh we're gonna be doing Air disasters. Yes. So situations in which, um, you know, a throne is passed on right. to an, an heir, except it not going as planned. And yeah. I think that'll be real interesting. If you guys have any suggestions, put them on the Facebook or don't. Just <laughs> stop living and listening and do whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. Um, you know, Dave, you were so close. You were like halfway there. If you have any suggestions... <laughs> Post it on the Facebook, uh, email it to us, tweet at us, all that good stuff. And I want to clarify, it's air spelled H-E-I-R, not A-I-R, correct? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just want to clarify that. It's not like uh, plane crashes or anything like that. Right, exactly, exactly. It's, uh, it's, it's... Steven. It's, yeah. Jet fuel can't melt steel beams. Oh, 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 oh. oh no, Steven just got black bagged. 
Guys, Steven just got black bagged. He's gone. The government's taken him. Listen, you have podcast to podcast over. You have, you, have to, you have to contact the president. You have to let him know. Oh, no. Sweet, guys. We get away without hearing the plugs this week. Oh, God. My name is Dave. Oh, God. They're gone. Okay. I think, I think I just have time to do the plugs. So, oh, no. So, if you want, you can uh, check us out on iTunes. We're on iTunes. Just type Try in bad. It. Just type in bad history and you'll find us. Uh, leave us a rating and review. Uh, you know, it's super awesome when, when people do. I love reading them and it's really cool. And we're at 28 reviews now, which is awesome. Um, so if two more people leave reviews, we're going to make it to 30. So please leave a review. Uh, hey, Steven. Can, yeah. Are there any good ones you want to read? Let me check. Uh, I don't think we've gotten any since the last episode, but um, let me do. Well, uh, we haven't read 28 of them, so. Okay, so I have one here, uh, and this is from Lo- or this is from Charkan, Charchan, Char, Chark. Hold on, whoa, uh, Chark Chan, and the the subject here is love bad history, uh, less than three bad history, and they say Stephen and Dave are great. I love their music. The history content is fun, and I'm looking forward to listening to more episodes. Oh yay! Thanks, Chark Chan, for Thank liking you. our music. Yeah. <laughs> I found that music on iTunes under the royalty-free section. So did I for uh, completely off-topic Mondays. Yeah, uh, best place to look. Um, so, yeah, so you leave us a review. We'll probably read it off on the show. Uh, we only need two more to get to the 30. And we're also on Podbean. It's kind of our base of operations. If you type in uh, badhistorypodcast.podbean.com, you're going to take us to our homepage where we post all of our episodes, and you can listen to old episodes there. And all that good stuff. Um, we have a Facebook and a Twitter. Type in Bad History Podcast on Facebook. You'll find our Facebook page. Uh, I'm trying to post more stuff on there. Trying to get really involved in the, the Facebook. Twitter, I think I'm doing a pretty good job. If you want to search for us, it's at Bad History Cast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. And, you know, send us a message. Send us a tweet saying uh, saying that you listen to the show or something. And, you know, it's cool to talk to people on there. And, you know, uh, follow people on there. Uh, and then... Uh, I think that's it. We're on other stuff as well. We're on like Sprecher and Stitcher and actually and uh, and stuff like that. So um, you know, and let us know if we're not on, um, if we're not on somewhere that you think we should be. Uh, if we're not on some sort of uh, not hosting site, but kind of like platform, let us know and we'll try to get on there. Uh, no, I think won't. I think that's it for me, Dave. I think that's it for my plugs. Thank God. So, yeah. Until next time, where we're talking about fucking plane crashes. My name is Dave. My name is Steven. (laughs) Happy history and good scrolls, guys. Later. Later.